Welcome back into the Irish NFL show. Right on Harry, I'm here with Colin Cronin, Sunday night, preparing for what should be a crazy couple of days ahead for all NFL fans. It's the start of the NFL tampering period, the free agency period. And um, we should see a lot of deals take place over the coming 24 to 48 hours. There's already a number of bits and pieces that have taken place over the past week, which we're going to get into. Colin, great to see you again. How's it going, Brian? Yeah, it's been like we, we've already seen plenty of uh, deals, plenty of rumors taking place. And um, yeah, I think we will have pl- uh, enough to discuss this evening. But obviously, uh, you know, the free agency frenzy, as it has become dubbed, really kicks off uh, t- tomorrow. So it'll be interesting to see if there are any, you know, su- surprises in, in relation to, to that, because... What you end up, of course, as we're seeing and we'll get into, is teams move players in order to maybe free up uh, some cap space to make uh, moves in uh, free agency, but also obviously to sort stuff out in relation to the draft because everyone, everything is a moving piece in this. Everyone is trying to figure everything out and hence why obviously that big trade um, that occurred between the Bears and the Falcons that we will get into, but... For listeners, if you haven't heard, we were joined um, by Noel Dowling and by Dean Jones. So getting the fan perspectives from the Bears and the Falcons over the the weekend. You may have missed it. You can listen back to both of those episodes and see what the respective fan bases uh, think of uh, of that particular trade. A monster trade, and we are going to get into that in a couple of minutes. Uh, I'm going to start with, you know, I'm going to kind of fall back a little bit to maybe last week was that was the day in which the franchise tags had to be confirmed by teams and Lamar Jackson um, I'm trying to reflect and think back to when I think we're going back in the old time to when a player was giving the non list of franchise tag and then did find himself moving on to a new team but you would think that potentially records are there to be broken and, and a period of time is there to be broken and this essentially could be the case with Lamar Jackson he can't talk to teams officially until so Wednesday, the fifteenth, when the for, when the NFL business year starts, but did you find it a surprise that they went this route with the Ravens? Because it was kind of, yeah, I suppose it was a given that they were going to tag him. But did you think they would go with the non-exclusive? It's, no, <laughs> I I don't get this part at all, right? And and that's because I I'm a massive Lamar Jackson fan. I do not understand how the Ravens have allowed themselves to get into this position. I've said it on our podcast. I said it when I was talking to Ronan Mullen a, a few weeks ago. I I find this utterly, utterly bizarre. I mean, um, Lamar Jackson, um, his streets ahead in terms of where where do you want to start? Total uh, total TDs prior to turning twenty four. Lamar has eighty seven. The next is Justin Herbert and Jameis, who had seventy seven. Dan Marino had. 70. I mean, you could talk about the fact that he is former MVP. You can talk about the the fact that, as Mina Kynes pointed out, he had a higher passer rating from inside the pocket than Kirk Cousins, Aaron Rodgers, and Tom Brady last season. I do not understand the Ravens' approach to this. I don't get it. It makes no sense to me why you're not paying the guy, why you're not putting talent around him. It it, 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 baff- it truly, truly baffles me that they haven't got it done. Um, and we now find ourselves in this bizarre situation where 
you know, as you said, they're not exclusive. So, but everyone's waiting. And because Lamar doesn't have an agent, right? The tampering period, he, that, that it doesn't start for Lamar technically tomorrow because it can't start until Wednesday. People can't put the offer in. And I know that uh, ESPN had a report out earlier today where it talked about the fact that te- there, are, there are teams, despite the number of teams that kind of lined up last week to say they weren't interested, there are teams that are interested but they want to talk to the Ravens potentially about a more traditional trade. I don't know. The whole thing seems bizarre. I'm, I am a big believer in Lamar Jackson. I think whether he ends up remaining with the Ravens or whether he ends up moving to another team, whoever gets him is going to get um, a, a true, genuine, bona fide superstar QB for the next certainly five years. There's a couple of things that I would put on top of that. So um, the owner of the Ravens, Steve Scott, he came up last year. I mean, he was very vocal and very public. Says, I think he was one of the, really, I would say he's probably the only one in, in the NFL that really publicly came up and said, this to show Watson contract is a nightmare scenario. But I suppose from his perspective, he was obviously looking at his own situation with Lamar Jackson in terms of, where does that leave us now? Because if you look at the, the careers in which both players have had, taking away all the off-field stuff and just look at the play, the Bar of in the streets ahead of the shows. So where does that leave them? Do they leave them in a position where they have to give him essentially a full contract and pay that type of money? So that was the first thing that was really kind of off-putting for them that they were in a kind of a, a no-win situation from last March when the trade took place. And then I was fortunate to have D. Orlando had a bit around this week we had the constitution and as much as the Falcons are saying they're not interested even the Orlando who's well he was highly connected and highly regarded across all teams in the NFL made injury he felt that the yard but obviously they're not going to show their hand too early and of course they're going to be putting out all these kind of little anecdotes to say we're not really in we're not pursuing them and I then suggested them and obviously we're going to come to that in a second and the fact is that a precarious situation in terms of where they're picking in the draft because you just don't know right now what Steve Tepper uh, Tepper's going to do with the, with the Panthers in terms of Dave Tepper, sorry. Was, what's he going to do? And, and obviously, well, they've seen the strength. And he said that was the scary thing for a team within the division that could leapfrog them in the draft or leapfrog them in terms of going for an American. Obviously, that's not going to be the case now. But he said it makes so much sense for a offensive standpoint in terms of what they run in Atlanta it's basically closer to where he's from originally albeit it's down near to Florida that he would be closer to the home he would go play in an offense that the Falcons essentially is, is exactly lined up and built in a way like what we saw last year with Mario that he sees the Falcons as the ideal as the ideal candidate they've got all the money in the world and heads into the second most cap space in the league why wouldn't they do it and why are other teams not willing to go down the show and now the Ravens try to call this bluff and essentially saying, you won't get that contract from anywhere else. You'll come back to us and then you'll accept, you know, accept realistically what's on the table. But the biggest stumbling block in all of this is teams don't even know where to go. And when, who did they reach out to? Did they reach out to the Ravens? First and foremost, before going and speaking to the mayor, did they reach out to the mayor directly? There's no agent involved. That just makes things even more complicated. Yeah, but... I mean, I, I've been uh, always fine. Andrew Brandt, you don't always agree with him, but he's pretty insightful, right? A guy who formerly front office is very, you know, 
kind of public about offering the perspective of a front office and how they think. And he has been, certainly in relation to Aaron Rodgers, he's been kind of pretty spot on. But in relation to um, Lamar Jackson, I mean, he, he said that, he, you know, people seem to be saying Lamar shouldn't be looking for a guaranteed contract. And he's pointing out, well, why shouldn't he? I mean, yeah, sure, the owners are, are going to push back and they're going to say that the Deshaun Watson contract is an outlier and, and you know, it didn't set a precedent, but it does set a precedent. That's that's the reality. And people are going to look at that. And, and if you're Lamar Jackson, you're going to look at that and you're going to look what other QBs ha- have gotten and you're going to say, well, why shouldn't I get it? Will he, will he get the fully guaranteed? I don't know. But I think some of it in relation to the, the Ravens is probably the fact that he, imagine being, right, Lamar Jackson again, you see Joe Burrow come into the league, right? And you see in your own division the fact that the Bengals go out of their way to, you know, put weapons around him, okay? And you look at your own team and, and they don't do that. I... I don't know. I I feel things are seem strained in Baltimore, and it's it's bigger than almost Lamar. I feel right because they've moved on from their DC right and their OC now over the past couple of years. Um, it it just feels like to me they absolutely threw Tyler Huntley under the bus after that loss in the playoffs. Players are kind of talking. I don't know. The vibe seems off. I, I think John Harbaugh is is a very, very talented head coach. I think he's done an incredible job there. I just don't know what exactly is going on in, in Baltimore. And a lot of their decisions from the front office right throughout the structure of the franchise seem a little bit baffling at the moment. And yeah, I, I am intrigued. It is the biggest question of the offseason. It's the biggest question of this week. And... I am fascinated to see, you know, come Wednesday, Wednesday night, what the situation is with Lamar, because that is going to possibly, you know, have such a knock on impact potentially, depending on what way it goes. Yeah, uh, we had Frankie Abbott on show last week, and I believe he's going to come on again this week. And he made a very good point to him, even when we have pursued wide receivers, whether it's in free agency or when it's through the draft. They haven't necessarily brought in certain players that suit the system, which was even more baffling and he got into a kind of Excel Rose type conversation around that. So you're right, it's been, it's probably is the most intriguing, interesting story. And it will be interesting to see how quickly someone comes out of the blocks Wednesday afternoon and um, US time in terms of coming and putting enough on the table and seeing will the Ravens then be in a position where they have to match it. But um decided to touch on at the start and show this trade that went down on Late Friday night airtime, and I know you've, as you touched on, you've had an opportunity to speak to both sets of the uh, of the table in terms of the Panthers and the Bears and who came out. I think both teams will feel they got what they want out of this, but from my perspective, looking at it, I would say I looked at the numbers and I said, to train, I looked at what was being given up, and I went, Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah, it was always going to be given. Ryan Pauls was very outgoing at the Cowboy in, in terms of clarifying exactly what his expectation was, and until he got the deal, which he felt was suitable for the Bears, he wasn't going to take any deal. I think the surprise for me was, bearing in mind we said to the Panthers have now shown their hand in the sense they're going to draft a quarterback. They give away their number one wide receiver winning the deal. And I know wide receivers are reversible, but when you got a wide receiver that's had three years of over a thousand 
reception yards with let's just say patchy quarterback play to be giving away your best asset which we, you would hope it would be there to support a new quarterback coming in I found that a little bit surprising in terms of the rest of the deal it makes sense for them from a Bears perspective yep. did you was that similar how you felt about it or did you, did you think it had to be that had to be the kind of golden ticket to make the deal happen well the reports have kind of come out um, to say that the there are a number of teams looking to and had been in touch with the Bears so I think the Panthers were cognizant to that and wanted to get a deal done and I'm sure the Bears were kind of letting it be known that you know well there's lots of interest and you know teams want to get this done um, before free agency of course it, look D, the DJ Moore piece I mean a guy who has been a, a really really top end wide receiver especially given the, the QB play but I think in order to get it done if you are moving on if you are trying to get a, a franchise QB that's the, the biggest piece you can have you can have all the wide receivers you want but if you don't have the, the QB you're, you're not going anywhere I think it will be fascinating to see what they they end up doing Every, everybody seems to be kind of leaning towards uh, CJ Stroud is the way in which I think Panthers fans are talking he, he fits more than Frank Reich mold I, I wonder in terms of you know is is number one a bit rich for Richardson the way he's rising but you know that that can catch fire and that the, the fact that he kind of set some records during the combine is very very attractive to to teams um especially when you know you're maybe comparing him to Bryce Young and the fact that Bryce Young is so small and that's the so I wonder if if Richardson will will benefit from that um but this is the the big decision but for the Panthers I suppose you know they wanted to control. They want to be able to select their guy because ultimately, when you are getting the franchise guy, there's no guarantees. But you want to, it to be you know the guy who's your number one choice rather than kind of settling. And there will be teams that um, you know were obviously looking to to go up for it. But given the number of teams who are looking to go up in what is considered not a fantastic and look, they might prove us all wrong. But it's not considered a vintage QB class. Next year is the one everyone is talking about and Caleb Williams. What is the price going to be if somebody's looking to go up next year? Yeah, I know how to set, set in some conversations already. Leading up to next year, and has, the price just seems to rise year on year. From a Bears perspective, another number one year, next year. Um, a late second round this year. Second round in 2025. And let's be fair, I just said, a really solid wide receiver that now puts them in a position where they've got South Chase Claypool and, and Mooney, like the Bears who and the Saturn last year had very little in terms of wide receiver play. You now really got kind of three guys that can really hold their own and probably get on most teams NFL rosters. Interesting to see how things play out come the end of April when we get to the draft period. Uh, I think you'll be sad in a couple of weeks when this room this story it ends. Because you love talking about this one, but I have to, I have to bring it up because it's been on everybody's lips for the past week. Aaron Rodgers has again today come out with a, a little anecdote with Brandon Marshall. And then, of course, if you want to watch the full interview, you have to subscribe to some website and pay the dollars of frog. But essentially, he was trying to give a little bit away that he, he looks like he is, <clears throat> of the except that his time in Green Bay is 
come to an end. But what I wanted to really say on this, and so I guess your point now, was I was taken back by how open Mark Murphy was. He did two interviews on Friday evening at various different events in Wisconsin and two different broadcasts. But essentially, from reading between the lines, he essentially said he's not coming back. He either retires or goes or he goes and plays the Jets. The, the ball is in his court. He can make that decision. But whenever he decides he won't be our quarterback next year. And it, it was a consistent lesson. He was kind of quizzed then, is there any situation where he could play quarterback next year? He said, yeah, but not if both parties get what they want. But I'm not entirely sure that's what Rogers wants. Well, the, the Mark Murphy piece is interesting because Matt Steidman, who we've had on previously, who covers the backers for the Athletic, tweeted after that saying, we knew that Mark Murphy wasn't the smoothest of public speakers, but going on live TV and publicly admitting you want to move on from Aaron Rodgers instead of handling such major business privately is still surprising. And... I think it was uh, surprising. I mean, th- again, I'll go back. I'll say this is what Andrew Brandt had been predicting for months. He always said, he said as soon as Roger signed the contract last year, in fairness, he said they, they have to move on from him next year because it, it becomes impossible to move on if they don't. And Rogers has it. He's, play, he's played this out. Like, you know, I mean, we heard during the, over the weekend, I think that the, the the deal was essentially done with the Jets. It's up to Rogers to the side. And then obviously there's the video you allude to. He's been liking uh, tweets today from Russell Douglas uh, about like, you know, guys asking him to stay. He's loving it. Um, yeah, I, I mean, you know, this is, this seems at this point to be more drawn out than almost remembered LeBron doing the decision. Um, I I think, and I'll probably ask this again when the tra- when when and if the trade happens. I think probably when really, but should somebody at the Packers, right? And that that's probably the G the GM essentially. Should he be held responsible for not taking three first round picks from the Broncos just two years ago? Given that, I mean. The, the most they seem to be likely to get right now is a first, and they, they seem desperate. If the, the president of the um, franchise has come out and said they're ready to move on. So two years on, they, they haven't added a, a ring. So ultimately, you know, for an organization like the Packers and an organization with a future Hall of Fame QB, that's surely the aim. They haven't added a ring. They're, they've missed out on picks. Surely somebody at some point at least has to address that question as you were offered three first round picks, a minimum of three first round picks. You decided not to take it. Are there any consequences for that? Um, I, I totally get where you're coming from. I think the yeah, inevitable answer will come back is that that following season, they would have done more see it. And in a divisional round game, they lost to the 49ers. And they lost the game, which they didn't, I don't think they scored any touchdown outside of the first drive of the game. But they would look at that and say, we still had a very strong season here as the quarterback, but obviously teams haven't materialised last year. Was, I mean, they scrambled to be in a position to make the playoffs at the end and lost to the Lions. Like, I saw a, a report again during the week that it's not even a given that they will get a first round pick. 
because the Jets now are in a position where realistically they know that nobody else is in for them. Unless we're you know, reading it differently, and I know the Raiders have been talked about, but at the combine, uh, Ziegler, Dave Ziegler, the GM, and Josh McDonald were, were very open about it that they didn't seem to have any interest in bringing them in. It looks like they're going to focus on whatever quarterback falls to them in, in the top 10 in terms of the drafts. And where does that leave anybody else going for him? Because unless we see it, someone springs a big surprise, maybe it's something like the books or whatever, I don't see where else he's going to go. So why would the Jets be bargaining? Essentially, they're, they're negotiating against themselves. They should put the, put the marker down and say, we'll give you a two. And depending on when he's going to sign a two-year contract, maybe there's a fifth trolling or whatever. But um, we're not giving you a one for a player that essentially is going to... Now, I know the Jets, you, you flip the coin and say, where are the Jets going to go if they don't get him? Because they're not going to revert back to... Zach Wilson, and I think the Mike Whiting experience has really quickly moved away. So, yeah, they might get anxious and a bit nervous to get the deal done and give the one, but if they're not negotiating anybody, against anybody, why should they? Yeah, I, I would agree with, with what you have said there, but they, they have, you know, the Jets, given where they find themselves drafting, um, and I suppose given the team that they have, and this is where you, know, you want to give fans hope. And, and if you bring Rodgers in, I mean, remember the Jets are the longest playoff drought in the NFL right now. Um, so they, they they want to get back to, to the dance. You know, I, I, I saw with my own team last year, desperate teams can do desperate things. Yeah, very true. Yeah, I think ultimately want to come down to this. They need to get the deal done. Um, in a division that's quickly looking already like it's going to be a very competitive division again next year. To keep people re- keep referring to this, just seeing him in a really strong position and he didn't finish the season off well. A lot of that was down to the, the QB play. To get Rodgers, obviously, people will feel it's a huge, upward, you know, huge lift in terms of quarterback play and the challenge to Bills. But one team that, I wouldn't say they're quite going about their business, but we've seen over the last week. They've shown they have very quickly. They've picked up to a fifth-year option, essentially declaring him as a starting quarterback. That takes that story away. And this afternoon, they, they traded for Jalen Ramsey. And I think it's been very abundantly clear over the past few weeks that the Rams are in a bit of a rebuild. There's, you know, there's talk last week of Adam Ramps, even Cooper Cook potentially being available for trades. Jalen Ramsey has been trained to the Dolphins today. He made it very clear that that's the only team he really wants to be traded to. A third round pick and a tight end. Totti would have got, I thought he would have got more, but obviously the contract is a big factor here. It looked like the Lions were in play, but they quickly moved away from the situation in which Jaden Ramsey declared he only wanted to go play for the Dolphins. It's a, it's a, it's a big uplift for the, for the Dolphins. Brandon Moore, Byron, Byron Jones, due to quarterback, has been released. He was in a big contract, so I was wondering where they were going to fill that hole quickly. So a good move for them, but again, Ramsey on the pitch. Good production, but at the same time, he kind of wavers during the games when he gets caught up in stuff he shouldn't. So it'd be interesting to see if he settles down. Were you surprised by this one, or did you think it was one that was coming? I think it's kind of been telegraphed for a, a little while. I mean, the, the Dolphins have plenty of talent there. They have the Fangio. I think it's a huge season for the Dolphins. I mean, they're taking advantage, obviously, of the two of being on the, the rookie deal. The, the window to bring players in is there. But given, you know, who they have brought in and the talent they have there, they they really have to, to deliver. I mean, you, we, you know, we, we saw, obviously, last year 
point and two was on on the field like they they were electric at times on offense um i think defense they given you know the reputation that big fangio has what they have spent on on defense i think that the expectations for the the dolphins should be sky high and and you know they they need to to deliver on those expectations I think it's going to be interesting to see, you know, that kind of a AFC East battle um, between them and uh, the the Bills in in particular, and and see how that plays out. But they they have they have an awful lot of talent. They have obviously huge advantages in terms of when they're playing at home, particularly in September. Uh, we have all seen the difference in the the sidelines, so. I think it, there there should be that expectation around the the Dolphins that the pieces are there. They need to get the pieces to work, and they need to take advantage of Tua's rugby deal. And bear in mind, they've no fourth round pick because it was taken away from him as part of his Brady investigation. So no fourth round pick, no no third round pick. So it'll be interesting to see what else they leverage this week in terms of trying to bring players in, whether it's through trades or whether. They can really be very aggressive in free agency because they're not going to be the bill this team shouldn't draft this year, bearing in mind the limited options they have. This was an interesting one that came with the name. I don't think we need to spend too much time on it because it's purely speculation, but it's coming from the people who you read or you know, you read their articles with the NFL network and usually nine times out ten they they seem to be on the right track. Baker Mayfield, um, obviously the Rams are keen to keep him on Barber is also at the same time they've committed to to Master Stafford this week. The books are serious about him by all accounts they have him come in here and potentially being the starting quarterback and I thought this one was really strange bearing in mind they're in flux with Rock Porty having an operation Trey Lance having to see Jimmy G out the door that the Niners have been heavily linked with Baker Mayfield as well which I found a bit amusing I thought that Baker Mayfield to the books made a little bit more sense because he could essentially be a stopgap for a year while they have readjust because they are in Cap Hill so and the unusual fair and more when you know to see their name linked. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I mean, look, uh, I, I, I just don't understand, and I keep going back to it. I don't understand how you don't like Trey Lance started one game, and and I, I can't even remember, like how many snaps did he take in that second game before he got injured? I mean, we're we're, we're what was it? Were, was it even into the double digits? And the guy is being absolutely written up. So the first game he played was in monsoon conditions in Soldier Field. And the second one, he gets injured. And he, that that's it. He, he's not getting a chance. Meanwhile, Baker Mayfield, who has bounced around the league now, is, get, you know, apparently going to, to the book. I, I don't understand the stuff, if the stuff in relation to Trey Lance is true. What is going on behind the scenes that they're they're so desperate to to bring competition in or, or to you know not have him as the the starter? But I find I find it baffling. It is kind of a testament to the fact that so much in the NFL has, has changed in recent years. But go, you know, being a QB taken in the first round means there will always be a market for you, no matter what you do. No matter how you know ineffective you are, 
you will almost always find somebody who is willing to at least give you uh, a shot. I would have called for the the box. You know, they were might be one of the teams who would have been in on the you know, quietly. And look, nobody's ever got a tank. We we know we know that, but there is going to be a number of teams, obviously, who are going to be in the Caleb Williams sweepstakes. I would have thought the Bucks might be um, in in on that. Hence, all the talk of talking up kind of Kyle Trask over the past few weeks. I don't see what Baker really gives you. We we've seen it now at the the Browns that he you know he he's went to two went to two different teams last year and neither of them decided to to keep him. So I think that's telling. Yeah, the only of the Niners, the only way I could see it making any sense is that brought in in the Jimmy G scenario essentially as he's the backup and if that was the case then you're in a situation where is it Brock Purdy or Trey Downs just starting quarterback because I can't see a scenario where you'd have both of them on the books and I can't see a scenario where one would be backing the other which is why that's the only way I could see it make sense that they make a call whatever one of those two doesn't make doesn't make it as quarterback essentially moved on because you're right like Baker Mayfield you know he had a game towards the end of the season for the round the Rams were in free fall at that stage. Burns. But the books, I told you, what are you doing, Kyle Trask? Yeah, you're right. It's a kind of, I'm not going to say they're going to tank situation, but you got to see, like, you, you got to see what this guy can do. Like, no point bringing someone else in, the best room quarterback, giving them a year. Unless they've seen so much room in, in terms of practice that they just know he's not, he's not the right guy. And then you ask of the GM, well, then if you're not, if you're not going to give him an opportunity, either he's been a bad pick, but I put him on the field. Um, I think there'll be other changes coming. I see Russell Gage has recontracted tonight with the books to give them in the cap space. I think Mike Evans potentially could be some guy that's out there as a potential trade. It's been moved for a couple of months if the right offer was on the table. Now he could be moved on, bearing in mind his age and the wages at which he's earning. So, interestingly, we're coming to the books this week during free agency. The Broncos, I have to start with the Broncos, Kyle, I'll go show it at the top of the Broncos, but um, I, I wasn't taken back by the fact that I saw last night quite a, a number of moves made and probably no surprise to see the moves which were made Chase Evans was brought in I believe as part of the Bradley Chubb deal really, that didn't really materialise he's been released Glasgow the offensive line who we were 14th of year a number of years ago has been um, he's been released it looks like he potentially could be coming back to the Lions that's the early story out there and then Ronald Darby has been released I think he's a huge a huge savings 12 million so it looks like Sean Payton and the guys are getting the house in order before free agency starts that they can be a little bit aggressive. Uh, they're seventh now in the league in terms of cap space. Do you, do you foresee a week where the Broncos are really aggressive and trying to do things or do you see more kind of second level signings trying to build a, build a squad up again? Um, it's in, I, I suppose, ever, ever, like the, the moves that were made were not in any way unexpected. And we've had Graham Glasgow on the the show. He he was probably the the one who you know probably can feel a, the most aggrieved in some way, shape, or, or form. Um, but all all the moves ultimately were ones that probably needed to be made, given the amount of money involved. I I don't know what what they're looking to do. You would have to say that certainly. If you uh, look at Sean Payton's history, 
Um, running back is an, an area where the Broncos probably need to to do something. Javante Williams knee injury. I know that George Payton said he is on course to start the season, but I, I would question when you tore every single ligament in your knee whether you are going to be really going full, full pelt during training camp and ready to to start the season. And, and we know that sometimes. Sometimes players come come right back, but sometimes it can take half a season, a season before guys come back from knee injuries. So that is an area. The offensive line, but this is an area where the Broncos have been burned previously. The offensive line for the Broncos is is a shambles. I mean, had you put four or five traffic cones out there, Garrett Bowles got injured. Garrett Bowles is fine. Um, he is he's improved. The, the refereeing has changed in the league, right? You can get away, I think, in the last couple of years a lot more with, with holding. And particularly Garrett Bowles' best year came in the, the COVID season where essentially refs just did not. Um, you can look at the figures. The holding calls were down by almost, uh, they reduced by almost half. So if Garrett Bowles is allowed hold, his physicality means that you can't get around him. The, the issue is if you are a skilled edge you you know and he, you force him to to hold but he you know the other pieces are the the pieces where you can't you can't say the Broncos are, are set anywhere they have in you know Quinn Miners is a decent um player but they're this they absolutely need a center they absolutely need a right tackle but I don't know if free agency is the way to address them the way I look at things is in general and obviously there are always exceptions I think spend on defense and draft on offense i think that's a, a much better way to approach things but the broncos have found themselves in such a hole that they're going to have to to spend because there are you know on both sides of the ball they need to address but they're losing a huge piece potentially in draymond jones who's going to hit free agency and i think is going to get mega money um, and it doesn't look like it will be from the, the Broncos. So that's going to be another hole that they're going to have to address. And the Broncos really didn't get... Uh, once Bradley Chubb left last year, and even before that, they weren't getting any pressure on opposing uh, QBs. So, yeah, they, they are going to spend. Obviously, they have to spend. But whether they will be premium picks or whether they will look to be more at the second level just because there are so many holes to address I would right now as we're talking I think it's more likely to be the latter yeah we're going to would be a good fit for the Broncos and center from the Titans series Jones I've seen him being linked to, to, to the Broncos and stuff that we make sense he just out there in terms of the needs and the offensive light and um, we're going to close now you know, and, but I just want to actually bring one up that just took place in the last couple of years and that's the resetting of, of the contracts for defensive tackles Darren Payne getting the, the big contract with with the Washington Commanders and obviously again like any contract it's you know what's on the uh, what's on the screen stamp isn't necessarily going to reflect what's been on the cap but 90 million contract and immediately from a choice perspective you, you'll see Dexter Lawrence who's going to have to get paid in the coming years and it looks like he's going to get paid he's going to be a very wealthy man soon enough Brad and more that's the type of contract that's been handed out to a, to a rival within the division and a player that probably does deserve the contract but um Certainly, since for general, it says that's a year which contract to hand them. It's going to only lead to wait for a defensive tackles and ask them for, for similar money. Um, we 
it's essentially like he's he's had such a good time and he was one of the first people to be tagged, you know, which is evident that the commanders were really cautious around making sure he got tagged immediately, try to work out a contract and probably comes a little bit of a surprise that the contract happened so quickly because usually once Craig gets tagged and they're recontracting, it takes some time for it to get in the, to get negotiating it done, but this one got done very good. Yeah, it can, it can do, but generally, look, the longer you leave it, the the higher the price goes up, and it almost every season, and because the cap is going up this year, and because it's projected to go up over the next few years, you're going to see the market reset and reset and reset, and, and whoever signs is the next guy up is the guy kind of who gets paid. So, um, in some ways, you know, it it's just surprising that it got done so quickly yet yes but in other ways i mean one of the i suppose things that washington have been like one of the things they've done well over the past two years has been on the the defensive line um and and so i suppose that that's a, a thing that they want to continue with they obviously have big question marks to answer on the offensive side of the ball. So I assume they just wanted to at least get, you know, one of the key core components of the defense nailed down. But you, you are you are right that generally it can kind of drag out and you get the deadline until July and very often it's June before it gets done. But I suppose maybe they were close prior to putting the tag they may not have wanted like players generally hate the tag um they want to avoid it if they can um but you know it is a useful uh, tool for uh, teams but it's i you know i i think it's all i think it's good to see players get paid they're the ones who put their bodies on the line they're the ones who go out and do it on the the field and you know, hopefully he continues to to deliver for the uh, the the commanders, but it it'll purely be a matter of time before somebody is paid even more uh, money than than he is. Well, there's nobody getting paid tomorrow, but there'll be plenty of deals agreed. The tampering period starts at four p.m. Irish time. We're coming back tomorrow night, so anybody taking the scene on the Sunday night, uh, if not Monday morning, we're coming back Monday evening. 9pm by then there will be five hours into the tampering period and I imagine we'll have some deals and other deals by then potentially to discuss and get our heads around there I think Christina and Frankie Abbott from Milwaukee is going to join us tomorrow evening as well to go through all of that but got him uh, as always interesting chat around the NFL this week it's great to have your company and I'll see you tomorrow evening yeah I look forward to to seeing what exactly uh, happens I have no doubt you know they'll begin to to leak out and um, I saw that um, Marlon Humphrey was already uh, tweeting at uh, Chef Trichinac as Chef was releasing some stuff. He said, Adam, we only want Lamar Jackson news. So keep keep your uh, your eye out. But we know that that offer sheet can't go in. But there will be plenty of deals before we get back on air tomorrow evening. Maybe OBJ would have found a new home or are revisiting an old home tomorrow. We shall see. Um, Royce, tomorrow evening, 9 o'clock, and I'll talk to you then.